Amen. Well, listen, uh, if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to get there in just a second. And um, just want to let you know that the title of tonight's message is The Day of All Days. You ever heard that? You ever had a day of all days? You know what I'm talking about? But tonight, it's not going to be so much in that connotation. In Luke chapter 2, we see that uh, Jesus is an infant. He's 40 days old. And according to the Jewish tradition, he is to be dedicated at the temple. And so we're going to look tonight at a journey of a young lady. And then we're going to progress and see her journey later in life. And so in Luke chapter 2, we begin in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He's talking about Jesus. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother, that's Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a, de uh, excuse me, to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So here we see that Simeon was supernaturally asked to be at this dedication. But someone else was invited to. And let's see who it is. In verse 36, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. It says that she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, meaning she walked up to Mary and Joseph, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And so my first thought when I was preparing <clears throat> this morning, why her? I understand Simeon. He, 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 he was led by the Holy Spirit. He spoke and, and all of that. But we only have four verses to really lighten the story. And, and really what we're given is that her age, she was a widow for many, many years, and, and that's really about it. it. says she never left the temple. It says that she was a prophetess. What does that mean? It just simply means someone who receives God's truth but shares it. And so she was literally one of two people handpicked to be there on this specific day in the temple. And so <clears throat> when you look at her life and it says never left the temple, 
that kind of tells me that she didn't want to leave God's presence. She, she wanted to be near God, and, and, and literally what she did in historical records say is that she literally lived in the temple courts. It, it would be like, you know, we have this sanctuary and we have our offices over there. It would be like she lived right over there and never moved. She sees Mary and Joseph as they enter the room. She walks up to Mary and says, may I hold him? Mary hands her over to Anna. Mary says, Mary, I mean, Anna says, Mary, Isaiah the prophet said that there will be a child born to us. He will have the government on his shoulders. He will be called Mighty Counselor, Everlasting Father. And this is he. She says, Mary, you see his eyes? These eyes one day will look into the eyes of a woman at a well. And his eyes will lock into hers and say, you're forgiven. Mary, you, you, you see his mouth, his little tiny, isn't it cute? One day, from these very lips, a leprous man will hear the words, be clean. And one day, one of his closest friends will hear, come forth. Mary, you, you see his cute little hands? They're, they're so cute, aren't they? One day, these hands will receive saliva and mud, and your son will take it and make a little mud pie. And his hands will be placed on a blind man who will then see. Mary, you see these knobby, pudgy little knees with a lot of fat all around them. These knees will one day drop to the ground and reach for a basin of water in a towel and wash the feet of 12 men who will help him transform the world. And Mary, your child will one day become a man. And there will be a day where he will be dragged into a temple court and given the sentence of guilty. And Mary, they will beat him. His flesh will be torn. And they will strap him to a beam and do the unthinkable. They will nail him to that beam. But Mary, you see this little boy? They will roll the stone to keep him in but they won't be able to. 
As glorious as a day this was to Anna, this is not the day that I want to talk about. Scripture says that she was 84 on this day. It says that she got married at a very young age, and, and, and most of the women uh, and, and, and even the men were marrying at about 14 to 15 years of age. So let's just say she got married at 15. It says that her husband passed away seven years into marriage, so that would be 22 years of age. So 84 minus 22 is 62 years that she lived in this temple. But if you go all the way back to age 15, what a day, what a day, what a day. A day that a young girl dreams of all of her life. The planning was finally over. You know what I'm saying, ladies? When you got a plan for that special day, and here it is. She walks in with her dad, nothing but flowers. Her niece and nephew are the flower girl and ring bearer. It was a wonderful day. And then she sees her husband, future husband, who is nervous as a cat. In fact, he's about to faint. They exchange ring and wedding vows. And she says, I do. As glorious as a day that was for her, that's not the day that I want to talk about tonight. Seven years into her marriage, she walks into a room and flowers adorn his casket. No doubt it was a very hard day for her. Many well-wishers gave her sympathy. The eulogies were, were over the top. They really detailed the life of her husband. Very eloquent words. She goes home. And she's all alone for the first time in seven years. But then she gets a phone call from one of her girlfriends. Hey, you know, there's a cute guy down the road. Why do people do that at a time of grief? As difficult as a day that was, it's not the day that I want to talk about tonight. The day that I want to focus in, the day that I want to zero in on is the next day. She wakes up, grabs her coffee. What do I do? Seven years of a happy marriage, and that person is no longer there. I believe it really was one of the most pivotal days in her life. What do you do? Do you plan a little getaway to kind of sort things out? Do you get a cat to maybe give you some comfort? No children, so 
maybe she would adopt? Would she move maybe to avoid those awkward conversations? Maybe she would even entertain, why God? Why now? Would she allow this devastating event take her down and get the best of her? Remember, she's 22 and alone. But I have to show you that in verse 37 of what we just read, it says, from that day on, she never left the presence of God. She worshiped, she prayed, and she fasted. What would propel anyone after such a devastating loss have that kind of an attitude? Wow. I wonder what character traits were instilled in her as a young girl. And so we're going to do something a little different. What I want you to do is get in a group of about three or four people, introduce yourself, and Doug's going to leave this scripture up. And what I want you to do as a little group, come up with about maybe two or three words that best describes this woman after a devastating loss to say, I am not leaving the presence of God. When you get those two or three words, just hang on. I'm going to give you a couple minutes. We're going to play some music, but we're going to do this as an exercise. So right now, get out of your seat, go find a couple people, gather them up and just say, hey, what do you think propelled this woman to do this? Give me some words, some character traits. Do it real quick. I'm going to give you maybe about two minutes. Look at these words, consecrated, strong, devoted, peace, humble, broken, dedicated. I agree. Desperate. I agree. What a, just simply, what an attitude. But when you boil all of these words into one word, it's just simply this. It's faith. That, that there, you would have faith at the top and you'd have all of these that you guys listed. So there is no wrong answer. Amen. It was just an incredible incredible day for her where she has to wake up to being alone, but then you fast forward 62 years and she gets to hold Jesus. Tonight, I want to give you real quick four aspects to Anna's faith. And here we go. The first aspect is this, in quotations, the word for verses in the word for versus in. And what do I mean by that? There's, there's a misconception of what faith really is. A lot of people say, well, it's, it's, I'll pray for things. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever even said that? There's so many Christians who put their entire stock into praying for things. But here's where the problem comes in. What if that thing does not come to pass? It's a real dilemma for a lot of Christians. In fact, I, I, when, when I meet with people, that's a, a, a pretty common thing. I prayed and prayed and nothing happened. I prayed for this to happen. Let me tell you. 
Faith is not believing for something. It's believing in. In. Amen. Too many people become disappointed. They become disillusioned. Why? It's only, it, it, it only takes one situation to get people off track. It only takes one phone call from a doctor to get you seriously so far off track that you lose sight. And immediately you will say, well, I need to pray for so-and-so. Hey, look, praying for somebody is important. But I'm going to show you in just a few minutes, it's better to pray in someone than for something to happen. Amen? And what happens? People, people's lives will literally spiral out of control because they've been believing for something. And, and again, they get disillusioned because maybe it doesn't come to pass. If you were given an opportunity to interview someone whose life has literally spiraled out of control, this is how they would respond. Number one, well, I hoped for something and it didn't happen. So I got mad at God, stopped going to church. I'd rather live in isolation. Don't call me. Don't email me. Don't text me. Don't Facebook me. I'm just wanna, I just want to live separated from God. Let me tell you, this is Satan's trap. Because all he's got to do is shake you up a little bit. And next thing you know, you, you are so far away that your faith is shaken. Anybody has had their faith shaken? Come on, let's be honest here. You see, Anna didn't, didn't allow the loss of her soulmate to come in and devastate her life. also want to tell you that faith is a verb. It's, it's, it's action. What does Scripture say? Faith without works is what? It's not alive. And so there's got to be some action on our part. And I want to show you a very great Scripture that proves that. In fact, in Hebrews 11, 8, it says, By faith Abraham went... Call or excuse me, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. That is faith. People will say, well, that's blind faith. That is not blind faith. That is faith when he just simply said, I'm going to obey and I'm going to go. I don't know where I'm going. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. Where are you going to be in five years? Do you know? I hope you're here. Amen. Three of you hope you're here in five years. That is just wrong, people. Where are you going to be in five years? Right here. Amen. Don't scare me like that, man. This isn't good. I'm serious. Just kidding. Abraham didn't know where he was going. You see, what, 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 right, right here, we see that, that faith is, is seeing it in the supernatural before it actually happens in the natural. He just said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm just going to obey. I don't know where I'm going. But I'm seeing in the supernatural that you want me to go, and I'm just simply going to obey. Amen? Anna didn't really know. I'm just presuming. She didn't know where... 
her direction was going to go. But she was simply committed. She was consecrated, right? All those words, she had faith in her. Do you know that Brother Francis and Miss Babs had you on their minds back 30-something years ago? You see, they prayed for land, for land, but really with, with where their faith really, where the rubber meets the road is, they believed in God to provide the land. Amen? A lot of people get those two words mixed up, for and in. They believe for a church, um, excuse me, a school. It has been in existence for many, many, many years. Great school. They prayed for a school, but really the first thing they did was they believed in God to give them the school and the teachers and the students, right? Same thing with this auditorium. It seats 1,300. That's, that's elbow to elbow. 1,300. They believed, not necessarily for a sanctuary or a new auditorium, they believed in God to fill the pews that people would get transformed. And that simply has been transferred to Pastor Todd. He had the vision for a new building. He prayed, Lord, we, knew, we need a building, but I believe that you can supply that building. So I'm believing in you. And you know what? About five years ago, we hired a company, an architectural firm out of Birmingham to come and, you know, they, they did all their glitz and glamour. And when we saw the price tag, we said, you can take that little glitz and glamour back to your home state of Alabama. Great people. They had great ideas. But because of the wisdom and because of the belief that God would provide the building that we needed, and now we're doing it in budget, and it's going to be here in about a month and a half. Come on, anybody. Can I get an amen? Listen, don't preach me down while I'm shouting good, okay? Don't get me wrong, we should pray for things, but ultimately, we should be believing in the one who can provide those things. Amen? To clarify this for and in, and this is so cool, if you got notes, you need to take some notes. Amen? Hebrews 11.1, 1, we know this definition, Rob, don't, don't give me that definition. I've heard it a thousand times. You need to hear it, because I'm about to give some revelation that I think is going to set some people free when it comes to faith. Number one, look what it says, Hebrews 11.1. 1, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You want to blow somebody's mind? Ask them, what is faith? They're going to quote that scripture. Great. Now, tell me what it means. Uh, kind of some evidence and some substance or something. And that's what you're going to get, right? But let me share with you two words in this that I think is going to help you understand really what faith is. We talked about that word in, right? The word substance is only found in the New Testament five times. And the best way to, um, I guess, find out what a word means in the Greek is to go look at another verse that has uh, the, the, the same word or the connotation. And so, in, in, uh, excuse me, in Hebrews 11, excuse me, 1, 3, it says, "...who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person..." And upholding all the things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Leave that up there, Doug. Okay, Rob. Uh, what's the word in here that means the same thing as substance? It's the word person. The two words are interchangeable. 
So, okay, you, you got that? The word person. Next, we were, in, we were back in Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? The evidence of things not seen, the word evidence. Let me tell you where that word is found. The same word. This is so cool. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What word in there means the same thing as evidence? It's the word reproof. Okay, So what this verse is saying, it's profitable for us as Christians, right? God's Word is, is, is for our benefit, and it's the evidence of the Word of God. Who is the Word of God? Jesus Christ. So let's go back to 11.1, and I'm going to translate it, okay? God is the substance of things hoped for, and God is the evidence of things not seen. Do you get the connection? It's believing, having faith in God. That's what faith is. So the next time somebody says, man, what is faith? In, I-N. That's all you got to tell them. It's not for, it's in. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's in. Anna woke up that first morning and she said, Lord, no matter what I go through, I believe in you. Amen. The second aspect of Anna's faith is E-D versus I-N-G. Now, it's not Ed. It's not Ed. It's duh. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say duh. Not duh. It's <laughs> duh. Duh. You got that? It's E-D versus I-N-G, okay? Mark 16, 17 says this, and again, we're talking about faith. We're talking about aspects of, of what propelled this lady to say, I'm not leaving the presence of God. Are you ready? And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Moments, moments before Jesus ascended, he's having a little conversation with his 12. You, th you think maybe it was some small talk? Like, I wonder what the weather is in Jerusalem uh, tomorrow, Jesus. Do you know? C could you kind of give us the forecast since you are the forecaster, you know? Do you think maybe they were, I wonder how the saints are going to do against the patriots coming up? I, I don't think so. He wanted them to know what faith was all about. And he says, these signs will follow those who believe. That word believe, we, we know what that means, don't we? But actually in the Greek, it, it literally means it can be translated a continual belief. It's not believed, it's believing, meaning it goes on day after day after day. Now here's the, here's the, the, the crux of the matter. People will get saved and they say, I believed 26 years ago that Jesus saved me. That's a good thing, right? But after that, there's no believing. It's not a continual. It literally means as someone comes right alongside of you and is literally like a companion, like a, like a golden retriever. 
those little dogs, man, they just come right up against you and they're like your best friend, right? That's what this word literally means, that they will come. The, the, the word believing means God will come right along with you and help you. And that's what the attitude of Anna was all about. She didn't allow the devastation and the grief to get the best of her. So Jesus was just simply saying, if you partner with my father, he will release his power in you. And so I have to ask you a question. Where is your belief? Are you still stuck in the believed? Or are you in a state of believing? Many people rely on the d than the ing. The farther that they get away from that day when Jesus Christ comes into their heart, for some it becomes very difficult to continue to believe because maybe they're getting hit with one thing after another. And maybe, maybe you're at that point right now where you're literally about to give up and throw in the towel. Maybe if you haven't seen the signs and wonders, maybe, maybe that's a hint or a clue that you haven't been believing. And I got to tell you this also, that there are a lot of churches across America that are still stuck in the believed and not believing. They say, oh, you know, I see healing in the Bible. That's not for today. Getting off of drugs and getting free of addiction? No way. You can take a drug for that. God desires His supernatural power to literally come through you. A lot of people will get to the book of Acts and say, oh, I got a problem with it. I got a problem with people who say they've got a problem with the book of Acts. Amen? It's in our Bible. But Jesus said, gentlemen, stay right here. Don't go anywhere. You're about to be clothed from on high. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will see signs and wonders. Amen? It's about believing and not believed. I remember the first time this was evidenced in my life about the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I believed. And a little hint of believing. I had a lady come in. I wasn't on staff very long. It was about 10, 11 years ago. And uh, I may have shared this story before, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm praying in my prayer language. And all of a sudden, God says, she was locked up as a child. God, I, I can't tell this lady this. What if I'm wrong? She's going to think I'm nutso and say, see you later. So I, I'm praying, you know, Lord, bless her, Lord, heal her, you know, do the, all the stuff we do as we pray for people. And all of a sudden, my heart started beating. And it was like... There was a plunger on my heart going, 
You better tell that lady. Well, I can't tell this lady that she was locked up. You know, what if I'm wrong? Okay. It happened again. I'm in tears. I said, ma'am, I got I to gotta tell you something. The, the spirit is telling me that you were locked in a closet as a young girl. She says, how did you know? My mom would put me in a closet for two to three hours every day in total darkness. I'm glad I obeyed. We prayed and we broke that off of her that day. That's what the power of God released in you will do because of believing. It's a continual believing. You may be filled with the Spirit, but you know what? It is a daily thing that we've got to continue believing in the Spirit of God in us. It can't be, well, I got filled 37 years ago. It's a continual, continual belief in Jesus Christ. Amen? I have to say that I bet Anna on that first day said, Lord, you've given me the vision of the Messiah. Lord, I don't know when, I don't know which year it will be, but I believe that I'm going to see and I'm going to be able to hold him. And she did. Third aspect of Anna's faith is the how. How do you believe I mean, that's a legitimate question. How do you continue believing? I love what it says in Deuteronomy 26, 16, and 17. It says, The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Here we go. You. Who's you? You, you. It's you. It's me, right? That's what this is saying. All of us. You. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, commands, and laws, that you will listen to him. You have declared that's what Anna did. She got up that first morning before coffee, before checking Facebook, before checking notifications, before checking emails, and she declared, you are my God. Do you know what that word declare means? It means announce. I have a challenge for you. When you get up in the morning, before your feet hit the floor, say this, I've got announcement. I need to make an announcement today. You see, that's how Anna kept believing. You see, the farther we get or the further we get away and, and we're, we're technology and we got to go to work, that believing kind of goes back to believed. So I challenge you to wake up in the morning and say, I need to make an announcement. Now the kids will freak out. They're going to say, Mom, is there somebody in our house? Somebody's screaming. Oh, that's dad singing in the shower. I need to make an announcement. I declare that God is sovereign over me. He loves me. And I'm going to continue to believe. You want to see 
what happens when we declare that? Look in verse 18. So you declare, and then it says, and the Lord has declared this day that you are his people. His treasured possession as he promised. There we go, right there. The how. You just simply declare, you say, I'm going to make an announcement that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life today. And there is nothing, there is no devil in hell that's going to steal my joy today and take that peace away from me. I'm going to stand firm in what I believe, and I don't care what my boss says about me. I don't care what anybody says about me. I'm making an announcement. I am going to shout from the mountaintops what I declare, because God is going to turn it around and declare me as his chosen son, as his chosen daughter. Come on, is anybody getting it in the house tonight? Again, don't shout me down while I'm preaching or preaching while I'm shouting good. Come on, somebody. That's a good place to say amen. When you declare it, he declares it right back on you. Make an announcement. Don't wait until 10 o'clock at night and you're watching CNN. Start the day off that way. When do people tune their instruments? After the concert? Before the concert, before your feet hit that bed, say, I declare that God is sovereign. He loves me. His love is limitless. And he has me in his sights all day. There is no traffic that is going to bug me. There is no piece of mail that's going to get underneath my skin. There is no doctor's report that's going to shake my little world because my God is over me and my God is in control of my world. Amen. Who I'm sweating. Number four, we got we to gotta close this up. The final and fourth aspect of Anna's faith is this. We're going to use the same scriptures. And these signs. Ooh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell. And these, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, in my name, they will cast out Demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up... Oh, this is getting too good, folks. The fourth aspect is results. When you continue to believe in and have that spirit of believing, and you know how because you're going to make an announcement right tomorrow morning, you're going to freak out your neighborhood and your household. The results are these signs will follow. Isn't that cool? Then when we believe and continue to believe, you're going to see signs and miraculous wonders that maybe you've never seen before. And so there's a, there's a little word that's really connected to that word follow. It's expect. When you lay hands on people, expect that they shall be healed. When you're talking to somebody, maybe at work, And they say, hey, hey, you know, can you pray for me? When you pray for their marriage, expect that God will heal them. You will see signs and wonders. It's going to happen. You can take that to the bank and deposit it if you want on my account. When you're in a situation that is so dark and dim and you feel there's no way, 
That's when you say, Lord, I'm declaring that you were sovereign. You were God. And Lord, I'm going to see something miraculous take place in me and my family or whatever the situation is. And so I just want to let you know what Anna's life was like for 62 years. Some would call it mundane. Some would call it very routine. You know, I, I know some of you are routine. You go to the same convenience store to get the same cup of coffee and you never change. Who are you? Let me see. Where are you? Yeah, I knew. I knew. Anybody else? You have so I, I knew. You have the same routine. But let me tell you, I want her routine. Am I there yet? No. But I want her routine. How many of you would like her routine? 62 years. Come on, anybody. Can somebody say amen? It has become my favorite story in all the Bible. She never left the temple. She believed in God, right? She knew who her God was. She said, you know what, Lord? I'm going to continue believing. And Lord, I know, I know how to do it. I'm going to declare that you are Lord of my life. And when I do that, I'm going to see some supernatural stuff take place. If you would, please stand. How many of you would say, seriously, and, I, and I'm serious with, with everything within me, would say, Rob, I'm not there yet, but would you please pray for me? I want to, I want to just simply learn more about Anna. I, I want to have that, that same kind of attitude. Where are you? <clears throat> many, many hands that are going up. I want to pray for you. I want you to come down to the altar right now. We're not going to have a very long altar call, but if you are serious about saying, Lord, it's been a while since I've had that continued believing in me. Tonight, we are going to pray that something is going to divinely happen in you that is going to transform your thinking. You're not going to just Think of faith as something little or maybe, maybe your faith has been rocked a little bit. How many of you out there, your faith has been rocked in the last maybe six months? All I can tell you is make an announcement. That's how Anna did it. She just simply made an announcement and said, my God is powerful. Even though I've lost a husband Even though I've lost my soulmate, I will not live in despair, but I will live under the power of the Holy Spirit. And one day, one day, I will see the Messiah. Isn't that true for us? One day we're going to see the Messiah. Amen. That's going to be a glorious day. Now what I'm going to do, I'm just going to come very quickly. I'm just going to lay hands on you. It's going to not be anything lengthy. But I just want to pray over you and pray that God is going to supernaturally touch you tonight. And I, you know what my prayer is? The whole, the whole day, I was like, Lord, I don't want these people, if they do come up for the altar, I don't want this to be a one-time event. I want it to be a lifetime change in their life. 
So how many of you are willing to make an announcement tomorrow morning and beyond? How many of you are willing to declare to the next generation, don't hold back. Don't hold anything back. They need to hear. And you know who else needs to hear? You. You need to profess Christ every day and don't allow such, because as soon as you hit the floor and you don't, guess what's going to happen? Something's going to come in and, and divide you and separate you from your father, your heavenly father. But I tell you this, if you start the day off with, I'm making an announcement. God is going to make an announcement and said, this is my daughter. This is my son. This is my child. And in them, I am well pleased. So those of you that are up here, you just stay here. Let me just close out. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that the blood of Jesus covers us. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful story of Anna. That, Lord, she literally did have a day of all days, Lord. But it was a day that was just simply a beautiful day of basking in your glory, of learning about you and professing you as her Lord. Lord, I pray for this congregation that you would bless them, keep them safe, Lord, as they go home. We pray the mighty hand of God to be over them in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.